We're back, everybody. I'm Carly Knight. And I'm Sabrina Monet. And this is Procrastination Planet. Where we should be writing, but... It's Halloween month, everybody. Happy Halloween. Woohoo! So this week, we are going to be talking about our favorite campy horror movies. But first, let's get a little housekeeping out of the way. If you like us, don't forget to subscribe, download, leave a five-star rating, and a quick review if you are on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. Doing both of those things, both, I know I'm nagging, but that helps push us up the charts, that helps get more listeners, and, you know, you kind of want us to make it big, right? I'm totally not resorting to emotional blackmail here. You can also help us out by sharing links to social media, and also interacting with us on social media, Twitter at ProcrastPlanet, Instagram at Procrastination Planet Podcast, Procrastination Planet at Facebook. Also, if you want to donate to the cause and help us upgrade our equipment and also help us pay for hosting fees and all that kind of stuff, we have a Patreon up and running. Check out ProcrastinationPlanet.com for a link to our Patreon page. Also, we have Nifty Logo merch. So go to ProcrastinationPlanet.com and get to the link for our logo merch. Anything you want to add, Sabrina? Oh, emails. So we are Sabrina at ProcrastinationPlanet.com and Carly at ProcrastinationPlanet.com. We also have ProcrastinationPlanetPod at gmail.com if you want to email us collectively. I think that about does it. On yes. with the show. On with the show. On with the show. So this episode, we're going to be talking about campy horror films? Yeah. All right. Let's just go ahead and throw this one out there because I think you've... Have you seen Slice? No! It was produced and put together by Chance the Rapper, who also stars in it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely ridiculous. It is a shout out to all of the campy horror films from the 70s and the 80s. Okay. So you have pizza delivery guys who are going to people's houses to deliver the pizza, then they're getting murdered. But in this particular town, once you die, you then become a ghost. So basically, imagine if Bob went to deliver a pizza, Bob dies, and the next thing you know, Bob's ghost shows up at the pizza parlor. Are we talking about Bob from Bob's Burgers now? So, yeah. <laughs> so that, and the next thing you know, you're like, what happened to Bob? And then he shows up. Ugh, I got murdered delivering the pepperoni. I'm sorry, guys. He didn't even tip me. It's ridiculous like that. God, that does sound like true hell. I don't know if that's going to be campy horror or legit horror because I used to work in food service. And having to spend the rest of my life in that, like yes. people who don't tip, good Lord, what are, I hope there's reincarnation. I think that's where the satire is because there were vampires, there were werewolves, there was death. But everyone's biggest complaint was those assholes who didn't tip. I'm working a double shift. I'm not making enough money. And so real life stuff was talked about in the background as we were going through the camp of the horror films. So you have Chance the Rapper whose big secret is turns out he's a werewolf. <laughs> but he comes to town to help take down the big bad guys. And it turns out there's a hell mouth underneath the pizza parlor. Oh, wow. Are we spoiling anything for people who... I could tell you the entire plot of the film and you'd still have to watch it, figure it out, and still by the end have questions. Okay. So it, it's just, it was good, campy fun. And I like, I don't know what you call it, but it looked like a Jane Fonda video. And then the music soundtrack sounded like something definitely out of the 80s. Got it. We've had a nostalgia for the 1980s recently, huh? Right. And particularly 1984. I don't know. Pre-hairspray 80s, maybe? Probably. I think part of it, too, is because a lot of, like, classic movies, plots would have been avoided had there been cell phones and technology. Yes. 
And I think it might reflect maybe a fatigue with everything being technological. Yeah. Do you have one? Do you have a cheesy one? I know you have a list because you've actually shown me a few cheesy horror films in the past. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what you came up with. We've had Sabrina over for cheesy horror movie night. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm going to start with the Sleepaway Camp sequels. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm going total cheese ball. Yes. Okay, so the original Sleepaway Camp, we all know that ending, right? I did get around to watching the original, and there's a little bit of campiness to it. Yeah. And it was one of those horror movies where I was glad most of the people died, because they were all dickheads and deserved it. Oh, no. I think there was, like, one person who didn't deserve to die, but a lot of it was really sad, actually, because Angela was super ostracized and picked on and bullied, and I just felt really bad for her. And it was like, yeah, no wonder she went on the killing spree. Yeah. Not that I endorse killing sprees or anything like that, but um, the sequels, well, they did away with any of the sympathy that Angela could have. They kind of gave her this makeover of being this really super prudish, fitting for the Reagan era, anti-sex prude. Yeah. And so these sequels kind of leaned into the whole sex equals death trope. And she just kind of out loud says in so many words, oh, you weren't doing this, that and the other. And she finds all these crazy ass creative ways to kill all the people. Gotcha. I mean, the sequels were um, very much um, a TNA fest. So if anyone's into the TNA kind of stuff, you're welcome. <laughs> What's funny about Sleepaway Camp, the original one, it's one of the few horror movies that doesn't show titties. Oh, wow. Yeah, it wasn't a male gaze movie. Gotcha. Well, not a straight male gaze movie. I think the director was gay. And there was a lot of, like, guys in their shorty shorts and their 80s midriff shirts. And nice. It was the guys who were objectified and sexualized <laughs> in that one. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, a slasher movie from the 80s that's not a TNA fest? We need more of that shit. Yeah. But the Sleepaway Camp sequels are just... Really good, dumb fun. Everyone is terrible. Everyone is over the top. Turn off your thinky brain. It's a hashtag problematic faith. Yeah. Watch it. Enjoy it. If you're going to complain to us, thank you for showing up to our page and emailing us and giving us attention. <laughs> Please continue to do so. Um, maybe like Twitter about it, like an outrage fest or something so that people can listen and yeah, publicity. That's a good thing. Yeah. I'm a little punchy this week. Don't mind me. No worries. Like midterms are coming up and shit, and I'm just like, ah! So we need a good campy horror fest to kind of take our minds off of that. Yes. Um, and the next one that I have on the list, I think it counts. The Burbs. Oh my gosh! I loved that one with Tom Hanks. And the campiness about it. So you have this suburban neighborhood, which is, you know, the universal backlot, which is actually the universal backlot and the creepy neighbor. On viewings recently, it's a little cringeworthy when it's uh, that whole othering of the neighbor just because he's a foreigner. Oh, yeah. But watch it for what it is. It's a film in the 80s and he did turn out to be a killer. So that's a whole nother set of unfortunate implications. <laughs> Let's not get it wrong here. Yes. But. You know, the 80s. The, the 80s. 80s were problematic. They, they were problematic. Let, let's just get that out of the way. If you're watching like cheesy, trashy horror movies from the 80s, the 80s were a problematic era. Just brace yourselves. Yes. Still worth a discussion. Still worth a discussion. Because we don't want to keep making those historic errors. Yes. Remaking them. But um, watching Tom Hanks and his neighbors sneak into that house to find out what is going on, <laughs> it's frightening because it seems like something you would do. Mm -hmm. Like you would get nosy and be like, okay, what are they doing next door? Carly, let's just, come on. Yeah, let's do it. 
It's just go. What's the harm? We're totally not going to be creeping on my neighbors. Yeah. Just let's get that out of the way. No one's going to catch a breaking entering here. Don't worry. No. We doused ourselves in the fourth thieves vinegar. We're good. So, yeah, The Burbs was a, a problematic fave, but a really funny, mm-hmm. cheesy horror film from the 80s for me. We're going 80s a lot today, huh? Oh, yeah. Are you going to mix up the decades over there? Eventually, but... Not right now. Not right now. <laughs> not right now. <laughs> Okay, I have my all-time favorite campy cheese fest. Uh Uh-oh. Bloody Birthday. You've seen that with me, Sabrina. Don't give me that look. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Is is that the one with the, um... The creepy-ass kids. The creepy-ass kids. The three creepy kids who were born... Wasn't it, like, the Scorpio kids or something? I I just remember an MTV VJ started in it. Yeah, Julie Brown. Okay, Not downtown Julie Brown, but other Julie Brown. Just say Julie. Yes. Yeah, and then the kids... um, It was the girl's sister. And so the little boys that she was, like, hanging out with, they're part of the creep kid triad. Gotcha. But she would charge them each a quarter to peep through the closet door and watch her undress. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That was that oh, was definite, that was high eighties camp. Very very high eighties camp, and the kids are just super psycho and totally unredeemable. Just these little blonde children of the motherfucking corn, <laughs> <laughs> like Dennis the Menace cranked up to. Oh my god, Mike Myers, right? Yeah, Dennis the Menace meets Mike Myers or some shit like that. That's definitely what although that I was. think they're smarter than Mike Myers. Did Julie Brown die in that one? Yeah. She got an arrow through her eye. <gasps> That's right. The Mo Green special. Oh my gosh. But oh my god. It used to be on Netflix all the time, so we would watch it every Halloween. Oh wow. Okay. And then Netflix took it away, and then my husband found it on Blu-ray for me. Oh wow. And gave it to me one Valentine's Day. Oh bloody sweet? birthday. Yeah. We thought that he would never because one Valentine's Day. This was like a while back. He got me a chocolate anatomical heart. And then he's like, I think I raised the bar too high. Oh, I'm no. never going to give you anything as amazing like this again, I don't think. And then he found Bloody Birthday, which was really hard to find. On Blu-ray? Uh, yeah, up until recently. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's true love. Yes. <laughs> Bloody birthday for Valentine's Day. Exactly. Um, the one that I have to bring up, it's actually ongoing right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a spoiler. American Horror Story 1984, the recent season. I can't wait till it gets on Hulu. Okay, I'm not going to give anything away since you haven't seen it. That's right. Don't you dare spoil nothing. But can I talk about around it? So we have characters, tropes that we've seen throughout all of the 80s camp. And -hmm. that's what they're highlighting here. What we have is more of a... When Mike Myers gets caught and they take him to that prison that obviously he's going to break out of. When he's in that prison, he's going he's gonna to go through evaluations. This season sort of takes a look at that and it looks at some of the characters. So imagine Mike Myers getting arrested, ending up in, in prison, but he has to have his psychiatric eval. Mm-hmm. And then there's someone writing those notes. I mean, they had that. They had that guy who was tracking Mike Myers. But with Mike Myers, they tended to believe there was some inherent evil that he was just born with. Yeah. On this one, you're seeing these notepads. They're, it's like incel, issues, parents. <laughs> and so you realize behind it all, these boogie monsters are really just fucked up people that came from fucked up situations. Mm-hmm. A la the Joker movie that just came out. 
Yeah. So it's a deep dive into that. It does all the campy 80s stuff, but then it looks at what created every single last one of those tropes. Oh, yeah. Nature versus nurture. Yeah. Gosh, Ryan Murphy's just awesome. You know what? Nature versus nurture. I'm actually going to deviate from the 80s. Uh Uh-oh. The bad seed. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, that one actually scared me a bit when I was little. Really? And then I actually enjoyed that post-credit scene. Did you ever see that one? I think I missed the post-credit scene. What happened? So at the end of the Bad Seed, uh, all of the characters are actually, and here is so-and-so who played this character. And they all come in wave because the movie was so freaky mm. that the producers felt they needed that post-credit scene to show everyone, okay, okay. It's just pretend. Exactly. It's only a movie. So it's t- only a movie. The last house on the left or something like that. Oh my gosh, that one. Oh, that, uh, that one's legit frightening. That one's legit frightening. How about Bad Seed? The Bad Seed with Rhoda Penmark. Yes. Oh my God. That one actually also talked about the nature versus nurture. Yeah. So you kind of helped jog my brain there. With this one, the family situation was pretty ideal. And they were kind of exploring the idea that some people are just plain bad. And once in a while, you do have someone who's like that amount of disturbed and like no amount of good parenting can help. Yeah. Although that's kind of a rarity. Yeah. It's one of those things like with how um, serial killers are created. A lot of people can have a shitty psychopathic gene, but the environment is what brings that about. Like if you have that particular quirk in programming, but you add a head injury on top of it, you add abuse on top of that, you add substance abuse or like other traumatic situations, then you can kind of create that sort of monster. Did you go see the Joker this weekend? No. Oh, okay. I just listen to a lot of true crime and watch a lot of crime TV. You basically gave the whole synopsis for that film. Okay. So they borrowed from the bad seed, obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, the bad seed was more of a case of um, totally nature. Yeah. And that kind of thing, it's super rare. You can have a kid who's just a bad kid, but mostly it's a product of the environment. Oh, but that one was campy to you? Mm-hmm. Oh, Give just the- me those shoes. Okay. I, I just wanted you Murdering to say that. someone over a pen and some shoes. <sighs> and she's just, oh God, what was the thing? You're the nicest mommy. You're the sweetest mommy. My dogs give their endorsement too. (laughs) And then at the end, she dies of a lightning strike by the pier. Oh, yeah. Well, they had to put that into the movie because it was during the production code era. So they had to moralize at the end. (sighs) But in the play, I think she gets away with, not gets away with murder per se, but she survives. Yeah. So that is the bad seed. Also, John Waters completely worshipped the hell out of Rhoda Penmark as a kid. He'd just get into this frenzy. Give me those shoes. Oh, that's hilarious. So thank you for jogging my memory on that one. Thank you. I'm actually stalling because I um forgot my spot. No, I didn't. I remembered my spot, but I forgot the name again. So the next one is The Dead Don't Die by Jim Jermish. Jarmouche. Jarmouche. Okay. Who did remind me coffee and cigarettes? Yeah. Okay. So I've seen actually a lot of his movies and just didn't know that was him. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I saw The Dead Don't Die, I loved it. And I actually watched it. I need to put that one on my list. I haven't seen that Please one. Please put it on your list because... I've seen Down by Law, Coffee and Cigarettes, and a few other ones. Yeah. Too. He actually, when the film opens, I scared my mom and my young cousin because we watched, it was the three of us that watched it. And when the film starts, there is this character out in the woods just living on their own. And when they zoom in on his face, I'm like, oh my God, it's Tom Waits. Tom Waits is in that 
one too. I was gonna. I was just gonna ask you if Tom Waits was in that one because he's in a lot of Jim Jarmusch movies. I said that I get blank stares from the two people next to me, and I'm like, guys, I actually paused the movie. Don't you hate Philistines in your family? <laughs> so I actually had to pause the movie, and I played um, Downtown Train. Hmm. Still blank faces. And I was like, okay, just, just watch some film. Just watch the film. Shut up, Philistines. <laughs> Fun ruiners. So it's- Was I adopted? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm watching this and um, what I liked about it, people got bit, people got turned into zombies, but some of their traits stayed with them. Okay. So you have someone who was frantically trying to go to Target to, to finish their shopping. They don't finish it, but when they're turned into a zombie, they're like, uh, Target. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> Target. Yeah. There's like there's so much you have to do that even a zombie bite doesn't slow you down. You're like, <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, it was such the wrong time for this. That sort of a thing. Um, Adam Driver, Bill Murray. Um Chloe. Chloe Savigny? Or no, I'm Chloe Moretz? Is it um you know what? That's not even her name. I'm thinking about the girl from the bunny movie. The brown bunny? That's Chloe Savigny. She was sucking Vince Gallo's dick in that. Thank you. There. Yes. It was Chloe Savigny. Yeah, it okay. Was, I told you. Alright. Yes. She was in that film. She was uh, just sucking a dick. What's her name? <laughs> <laughs> but I like how you knew exactly who I was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So the dead don't die. <laughs> Her. <laughs> Poor thing. I she must hate that. Mm-hmm. That everyone's just like, what's her last name? You remember the bunny movie. <laughs> Jeez. I gotta come up with some other thing to say when I can't remember her last name. Yeah. She was in American Horror Story Asylum. I'm gonna remember that. She was in Asylum. Yeah. There we go. That'll be my go-to. She was also in Big Love. Yeah, the sister wife. Yeah. That's more politically correct. Remember the sister wife? Yeah, the sister wife. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... It also reminds me of, like, when... um, There's some Taylor Swift song where she's, like, slut-shaming the rival girl. Because her talent is between the sheets or her talent is in the bed or on her back or something like that. Oh, yeah. I don't see how that's an insult. She wrote that when she was 19. I'm like, 10 years later, she's like, okay, my bad. I I get it now. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, no wonder. (laughs) Poor Taylor. Although I'm back to liking Taylor Swift again, so. Have you heard her her new album? No. People are are trashing it, but I actually really loved it. Mm -hmm. She got back into some of her country roots and she, the lover is a great song, but she also does a duet with the Dixie Chicks where she goes back on that guitar. And I wonder for someone to have such talent to be able to write these bluegrass songs from scratch, why does she remain, why does she go so heavily into pop? Well, that's where the money is, but... Yeah, it's where the money is. Maybe she just genuinely wanted to do some pop songs, too. Yeah, but... I mean, sometimes you like to do that. Just she- because you like to do one thing doesn't mean you don't want to do another thing. Because sometimes I like to write young adult fiction, but also I like to write creepy pastas. Yes. Also, I like to write modern day noir. And you write your romance novels under an alias. Yes. <laughs> Nora Roberts. <laughs> I wish. Like, if that was my secret, don't God. tell anyone. I'm actually Nora Roberts. <laughs> I'm actually Danielle Steele with my motherfucking desk. Oh my god, god that I desk. Want that desk. I know, right? Ugh. But yeah. 
that's my hypothesis as to why she was leaning hard on the whole pop music the whole for pop. the time. Because maybe she was tired of being like little wholesome country girl. Gotcha. So I'm not going to pretend I know, but these are just my little spitballing opinions. No worries. Uninformed opinions. Uninformed opinions. Where we don't read up, but we're talking shit. Uninformed opinions. Where we don't do research, but we run our mouths. Dun, 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 dun. Let's take a listen to the Dixie Chicks duet that she did. Okay. Really good one. And I'm back to, look what you made me do. I'm like, why the fuck am I listening to this? God damn it, Taylor Swift, you have good ear crack. I give up, Taylor, you win. <gasps> oh, goodness. So, uh, what is next on your list? I think I'm going to do Evil Dead 2. Oh, wow. You just went to straight to Evil Dead 2, so now I want to see the pitch. Okay. The okay. original Evil Dead was straight up horror. Yes. And Evil Dead 2 was not quite a remake of the Evil Dead, but... They camped it up? Yeah, it was a camped up version of it. And it still had some frightening shit in there. Do you think Evil Dead 2 is when the whole Bruce Campbell thing became canon? Or yeah. Do you, okay, so that's where it happened. That was the birth of mm -hmm. Bruce Campbell. Because he was a lot more centered in Evil Dead 2. Yes. He, I mean, he was still in the original Evil Dead, yes. but he was part of the ensemble. Yeah. And this time he was in the center. And this is the one where um, his hand got all possessed, and so he had to cut it off, and then he, uh, he duct tape a chainsaw to it, and that way he can start attacking more demons. Oh my gosh. Yeah, let's see. Never read from the Necronomicon. Yes. Did H.B. Lovecraft write that book, or did he just make up that title and that book never actually existed? I might have to look that one up. Okay. Although I think he actually did for real write it. Okay. That's my guess. I don't remember. We can put the link in our show notes. We will. So it's not actually a book that the Dark Lord wrote and was lost for centuries and finally was found. Well, <laughs> that, well the original Necronomicon, yes. <laughs> okay. But as far as H.P. Lovecraft's Necronomicon... That was his imagination. I think so. And a huge It was a title that didn't make it into a book, or it was a book all along, and I just don't remember it. It's Sunday. It's Sunday. It's Sunday. We're recording. <laughs> We're giddy. We're punchy. So Bruce Campbell. Yes, back to Bruce Campbell. So the third movie in the Evil Dead canon would be Army of Darkness. Yes. And that's when Sam Raimi decided to crank up the campiness to 11. Exactly. That one really isn't horror so much as like fantasy. Fantasy adventure, yeah. Yeah, fantasy adventure with some horror elements. This is my boomstick. So that's where that line comes from. Nice. But yeah, I would recommend Evil Dead 2. It's hilarious. It's a nice balance of horror and hilarity. The first hilarity. one was scary. Yeah. The remake was atrocious. I don't want to bother with the remake. It should... Yeah, don't don't remake it. Unless it's putting money in Bruce Campbell's pocket, then that's cool because he's got a mortgage. Yeah, exactly. And so my next pick, it's a sentimental one. I'm going to have to go with the Monster Squad. I've never seen that. Shut up. No, stop. True. You've never seen the Monster Squad. Never seen it. Honest and for true. Okay, put that on your list, please. Like that that is a must. So that was circa 1989. And so basically Dracula is banished from um Transylvania. Mm. But he makes his way out and he ends up it was somewhere like middle America, Ohio. <laughs> 
<laughs> so he buys his. We're not insulting middle America, Ohio. But it's like that. It's like the burbs. Okay. You know? And here's this. Again, they othered him because he had an accent. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, he's just European. But he's really killing people next door in the burbs. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's that sort of a setup. But the problem with Dracula is he just happened to pick the small town where the sheriff's son and all of his friends read all of the horror comic books inside of their little treehouse clubhouse. And when they figure out that he is Dracula, they go after him. But the Wolfman, Frankenstein, all of these characters are in this film. They are, they belong to Dracula because they're the bad guys. Mm-hmm. But uh, this little girl ends up befriending Frankenstein, the monster, actually, Frankenstein's monster. And so she actually does something that no one's done before because it didn't exist at the time. She's like, oh, she's getting ready. They're playing tea party and stuff. And she hands him a mirror because she had like dressed him up. He picks up the mirror. And he drops it. And she says, what's wrong? Why did you drop the mirror? And he said, oh, so scary. So his own reflection frightened him, which he'd never seen before. Because, you know, no mirrors back then or not readily available like the Sally Hansen one that she pulled out for him. So you have these classic horror film characters. And they're in this small town. They want to live their life. But these kids are like, you're not supposed to be here. So they band together like a band of brothers and they're going to defeat the evil in this town. Hmm. And they go after Dracula, who actually is the only true bad guy in the whole town out of all the other characters. The other monsters are sort of misunderstood. Hmm. Didn't realize that they were monsters sort of thing. But that well, is... Well, that was the story. Well, that was how Frankenstein's monster was anyway. He was misunderstood. So that's what we have for uh, the monster squad. It's the cutest scene because actually it was shot exactly where the burbs were shot. I think he was shot at the Universal lot. Okay. So, do you know the townhouse that they used? Not the townhouse. The square that they used for Back to the Future? I think yeah. it's the same exact spot. So, you have these kids on their bicycles riding through this town and they're just going to save the day. And that film, it, it's like, it was post-Goonies. So, I think okay. it was one of those films that was cashing in on that whole... Ragtag bunch of kids that little doing Motley amateur crew. saving. Exactly. Was the neighborhood in the Burbs the same one used for Desperate Housewives? Yes. Okay. And the funny thing is, you, you walk like maybe 500 feet from that court and you run into the um, Bates Motel. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Okay, so I'm going to go with the 80s again. All right. I swear, campy horror was made for the 80s and vice versa. I'm going to go with Fright Night. The original Fright Night. The original Fright Night. Don't tell me about the new one. I don't even care. Colin Farrell was sexy in that, but that's about okay, it. Okay, okay. I'd fuck Colin Farrell. But the thing that disappoints me about the Fright Night sequel was not the sequel, the reboot. I was hoping it was going to be more meta. Oh, okay. You know how in the original Fright Night, what's his name? Charlie had relied on the horror movie host to help him defeat the vampire next door. Yes. I was kind of hoping, because what I heard was going to happen was Chris Sarandon was going to be in the reboot. Oh, yeah. And like the kids had watched him in Fright Night. And so they're like, oh, hey, you know how to, you're a vampire. You can defeat the vampire. They were going to do something meta like that. Yeah. And it would have been my reason to watch. It fell through in negotiations or something, right? Yeah, and so I'm just like, eh, I don't want to watch a straight reboot. Fuck that. They had David Tennant as the, um... The horror movie host? Yeah. Okay. But they didn't play in too much to the whole horror movie host thing. He was sort of like strong-armed into helping them when he knew from the beginning that he was a joke. So it, it, didn't, it didn't have that coolness that the original did. Oh god, I love the original. <laughs> it was definitely campy goodness. And also, Chris Sarandon. 
If you guys listen to either the original Literary Crushes episode, which is episode three, or the remastered version, which I call 3.2, I kind of talk about Chris Sarandon because he played Sidney Carton in the Hallmark Hall of Fame version of Tale of Two Cities. Oh. But he was also a very sexy in an 80s way vampire in the original Fright Night. Do you think Chris Sarandon's son is good looking? I've never seen his son. The Star of Suits? I'm going to have to look that up. Okay, let me... We're going to take a brief intermission. My bad. That's not his son. His father's Stephen Macht. But Chris Sarandon has a kid who's an actor, I believe. Well, I'm going to have a look. Okay, there's no beefcake showing up for me. Except for young Chris Sarandon. Chris Sarandon back in the day. <laughs> yeah, he could get it. Chris Sarandon today, not so much. Oh my god. I mean, maybe if I were in my 60s or something, I'd be hit trying to tap that. But in the 80s, oh my god. In the god. 80s when he was the vampire oh, in Fright fuck. Night. <laughs> or when he was Sidney Carton. Okay, also Charles Darnay. You got twice the Chris there. But gotcha. I liked him as Sidney. Don't judge me. But Fright Night, besides Chris Sarandon... We had we had the camping goodness. We had married with children's Marcy on there playing the girlfriend. Yes. So she went from teenage girlfriend to thirty something yuppie in like a span of a couple of years. Because I think this was a little bit before married with children happened. Ah. And then my favorite line ever, because Charlie's friend Evil Ed was in there. He he was always going, "You're the coolest Brewster," or "You're so cool, Brewster." <laughs> So I use that all the time if someone's being really fucking stupid. Yeah. Like if someone is trying to burn rubber past the house. Or, oh, no. Or they speed past me and cut me off. Or I go, you're the coolest, Brewster. You're so cool, Brewster. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> so that is my favorite line to use in conjunction with sarcasm. Yes. Find the funny before you blow your top. Yeah. So we went from campy horror to looking for thirst traps on our phones. Looking for thirst traps. And then I'm going to end it with my last campy movie. I still have a few on oh. the list. Oh, yeah. No, no, so you're, you're not going to end it. No, no, no. Not going to end it. But like, it's the last one on my list. And it's camp question mark. It's Texas Chainsaw, the original. Really? This is how I wanted to explain it. I saw Texas Chainsaw maybe about 10 years ago again with a room packed of people for the 20th anniversary. And the opening sequence when they realize that there's someone that Leatherface is going to kill them and they run away, that camp scene, I think it was done for the laughter. Everyone in the theater was laughing, but it does not translate outside of the U.S. So I think we're kind of fucked up, but we're fucked up in our own way. So it's okay. If you remember that scene, the reason why that girl gets left behind from the group, Mm -hmm. she has her brother with her who is overweight and in a wheelchair. And when they run, this little 90 pound girl is trying to push this wheelchair up a hillside so they can get away. Oh, fuck. And she can't do it with this guy running towards her with the chainsaw. And isn't that just life itself? So everyone in the theater is laughing. And so he's just like, just leave me. Just leave me. Just do it. It's fine. It's fine. And she's like, no, I won't. And she's crying. But she's doing the impossible. There's no way she's going to get anywhere with this. Mm -hmm. So finally, he catches up and he grabs the brother in the chair and takes him. There is a riot of laughter in the movie theater. That is fucked up. That's Texas Chainsaw. And I realize that's what we're going there to see are just these moments of, I don't know how you describe it, but these holy shit moments. I haven't actually seen the full movie. Oh, I see. Okay. I've seen clips. I've seen bits and pieces. Like just enough in the trailer. It terrifies me because it's like all this is taking place in the daylight. 
This is not nighttime horror with things that go bump in the night. This is daylight with like grainy 70s footage daylight. There is nothing scarier than 70s grainy daylight. That is the (laughs) fucking worst. (laughs) It terrifies the fuck out of me. If there was a filter set to grainy 70s. You're done. I would assume that there's something bad going to happen. Someone's going to die. We're all going to die. Someone's going to die or someone's going to fucking overdose. Yeah. Or like someone's going to get hepatitis. I don't know. It's going to be fucking terrible. So that's actually how the kid gets left behind is because everyone else makes a run for it. But she tries valiantly to save this guy. It doesn't work out, but that's how she ends up lost on this large plantation with a farmhouse and can't get out. With the inbred family? Yeah. Aren't they all like inbred and shit? Like inbred cannibals? Or am I getting the inbreds mixed up with the Hills Got Eyes? You're getting the Hills Got Eyes mixed up with it, but the Hills Got Eyes borrowed heavily from Texas Chainsaw. Okay. And just added in the ick factor. Okay. With that. That Uh, was an Ed Gein inspiration too. um, Texas Chainsaw. Because of all the cannibalism and all the human skin, everything. Yeah. But one thing that does stand out, the way that they killed people in Texas Chainsaw, Mm -hmm. the hooks and stuff like that, and you hear the screams and everything. It's just funny to me that they assume it would take that much to kill someone. It takes a lot to kill somebody. No, 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 no. I mean like that you would survive that amount of punishment. Does that make sense? Well, sometimes the human body can... That is just... Because that will to live sometimes is just that strong and your adrenaline is working. I mean, that's why it takes so long to, um, you know, strangle somebody. It, that takes some absolute brute strength. And then you it. hear like all of these um, like POW stories. These men have survived, these men and women actually, since women are allowed in combat now, have survived horrendous torture. So it's not completely out of the question. For it to continue like that. Yeah. I mean, John McCain had gone through like a shit ton of punishment in Vietnam. But not like with a chainsaw right through his tummy. Well, (laughs) that's not torture. That's a kill shot. That's a kill shot. That's a kill shot. Yeah. Your entrails are flying out and everything. (sighs) Ah. But yes, the laughter that came from Texas Chainsaw made me wonder, was it supposed to be camp or was that the birth of camp in sort of 76, 77? It may have been unintentional. I don't know if people are just laughing to release the tension because it's just that bad. Yeah. I mean, from what I've seen of Texas Chainsaw, it's just horrific. Gotcha. So I'm wondering if it's a laugh to break the tension. Yeah. Or maybe it is campy. I don't know. Don't sit through that movie. I don't think you could... could, No, don't. That's not the one for you, but... Yeah. I wish there was a way for me to find a clip for you to watch. Okay, I'm going to go with Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I've heard the title, (laughs) but I've never seen it. Who's in it? Nobody that I know. I I can't think of any names, honestly. So pitch this to me, because I've heard the name, but no one's ever really talked about it. It says so on the tin. Killer Clowns with K's from outer space. So they come from outer space. All right. That's weird. But it it sounds campy. And they pretty much murder couples who are parking in the back seat. It's like this horrible circus that comes to town. You know, think of an insane clown posse. Oh, wow. Juggalo invasion. But a neon technicolor. Was that 90s? ICP is 90s. Killer Clowns is 80s. Okay. And then, oh God, I think one of the more terrifying scenes was like this little, little bitty clown was trying to lure this little kid. And it was just like, oh God, this is like post John Wayne Gacy too. And so I think that kind of amps up the terror. Oh my God. I think the kid was um, 
saved from that clown at the very last minute. Yeah. But I think this movie, they kind of started leaning into the whole clowns are scary thing. Oh, wow. Because it wasn't until John Wayne Gacy that cholerophobia got mainstreamed. I mean, clowns were always a little bit creepy anyway, but they were kind of a straightforward, haha, clowns are silly and funny and dumb. Did Stephen King with It contribute to I'm pretty sure. Scary Clowns? You bringing up killer clowns reminds me of a very scary, not a scary, but a funny scene that I didn't think was funny the first time I watched it. I actually don't know the movie, but you're probably going to figure it out when I tell you the scene. So we have this killer and every time he does his kills, we're seeing it from his point of view. Hmm. So of course there's like a sorority house and he's broken in and he's going to kill. Sorority house massacre? So this is what happens. He heads to a table and on this table, there's a kitchen knife. There's a blade. There's these very, like a hand or stuff like that and he's like Arr, arg, arg. he gets to a paper clip and he's like Arr. oh no he grabs the paper clip he opens it and then he heads up the stairs we cut away from his point of view and then all you hear is stabbing and screaming and you realize that he's murdered someone with a paper clip oh no what movie was this I have no idea. Okay, that was the Sorority House Massacre. Whatever that camp film is, audience, tell us what it was. Yeah, I don't think it was Sorority because House. Because the thing was, it was like a getting together with a group of friends, and that film is playing. I remember waking up, seeing that scene, and going, oh my gosh, and then passing out, and I have absolutely no idea what the movie is. Unless it was a scary movie? It's definitely parody? a scary movie, but it was like camp scary, because... No, I'm talking about scary movie, the scary movie franchise. Oh, no, no, no. This no. was circa 70s or 80s. Oh. Because it was... Um, do you know the way that um, you just brought it up? Birthday slasher for Valentine's. Bloody birthday. Bloody birthday. It had that same look to it. Okay. So that is early 80s, huh? Oh my God. I feel like this is a movie that is on my to watch list. Okay. And so when the killer kills, he always makes sure to put on those long rubber gloves that you wear right before you do the dishes. Mm-hmm. He puts those on his hands. Yeah. Or she puts on her hands. I don't know who the killer turned out to be. I was going to mention Return to Horror High, but I don't remember a lot from it. Was Brad Pitt in that? No, it was George Clooney who was in George it. George Clooney was yeah, in that. Yeah, okay. it was an early George Clooney movie. Yeah. I don't remember a lot of it, actually, so... I'm not going to be informed enough to make a reference, but the cover for the VHS was really stupid, like a cheerleader made of a skeleton. Yes. I don't know why. When I was a kid, that image really frightened me. And now as a grown ass lady, I'm like, oh, my God, this movie's going to be really fucking stupid. I'm going to watch it. Oh, my God, this movie's really fucking stupid. And I like it. I think it was one of those movies that kind of was in on the joke. Yeah. Because they were, um, I think they were making a movie at the same time and they were kind of getting a little meta with it. That's all I know, but I do want to put the VHS in our bonus content just because it's it's such a creepy but kind of funny image. Yeah. And I lied. I have another one. <gasps> Tremors. <gasps> oh my God. I love Tremors. I could be on my deathbed and I'm like, okay, it's done. I have no will. Everything's finished. Tremors will start playing on USA Network complete with commercials. I'll sit up and watch it. Oh my God. That movie's hilarious. Like a young Kevin Bacon. Yes. And then Michael Gross and Reba McIntyre is the prepper. room. I love that. Oh, they had like fucking every kind of weapon. They were so ammoed up. <laughs> and oh. I, I love Reba McIntyre too. Yes. And she adores her drag queen following. <laughs> when she was talking about drag queens impersonating her, someone was interviewing her and they're like, how do you feel about these drag queens impersonating you? And she's like, I'm just ticked off. They look better than me. Oh, no. <laughs> <sighs> and I think what I liked about it 
You have the situation. There are these giant worms in the ground, <laughs> but you're in a town with sand. And so <laughs> there's very little they can do. I thought it was creative the way they used that small little area they were at to defeat the big bad. Yeah. That was fun. Tremors is required viewing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Kevin Bacon came back for any of the sequels. No. I think Michael Gross had come back for some sequels. Am I lying when I say that Kevin Bacon's brother was the guy from Deuce of Hazard? I have no idea I'm who you're lying. talking about. I don't know where I got that from. Never mind me. Okay. All those sandy haired blonde white dudes look alike. No, 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 no. The, the, the other Dukes of Hazard. The remake? No, 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 no. The, um, do you know who Kevin Bacon's brother was in Tremors? No. The guy, the, the beardy guy who was kind of limping? No, I don't. He's not ringing a bell. Okay. He, he's, he's dark hair, dark eyes. And he looks like the dark hair, dark eyed guy in Dukes of Hazard. The other brother. Not the blonde one, but the other brother. Are you talking about the remake or the? The original. The original. Okay. The original would be um, John Schneider as Bo, and then Luke was. Luke, yeah. I, th I thought it was Luke for a minute, but dark -haired I'm one. mistaken. Yeah. Turned out to be like a trashy fuckwit. Really? Yeah, like last decade, like some shit was coming out about him. I'll see if I can link to it. I just remember something trashy about him. John Schneider was my first rock concert. Yeah? He opened with Reba at Great America for something. And we didn't watch it, watch it. We were like passing by. We're like, oh, let's stop and listen. And it was Reba McIntyre and John Schneider singing. Oh my gosh. On stage. That's so 80s, isn't that? Oh, he did like um, a film strip for our health class. Oh my gosh. Well, one of the film strips in our seventh grade health class, it was already dated by that time. I remember one clip was like, stay away from drugs. And it was just like this smattering of pills that was on the table, but it was all vitamins. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, he, and we all saw through that. We're like, oh my God, that's vitamins. <laughs> oh my gosh. But I'm glad. Yes, Tremors. I'm glad I remember that one. What is your next one? Let's <laughs> see if I've seen it. <laughs> okay. Um, have you seen a little movie? Um, it's British. It's not 80s. It's called Shaun of the Dead. I cannot believe you take in <laughs> one of my life sources. I love that movie. It's not, can't be like dumb. It's not cheesy, but it, it's fun and campy. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I love, love that. I love his movies. Yeah. What they did with Shaun of the Dead, the soundtrack, everything was just perfect on that one. Yeah. They kind of revived that sort of um, zombie movie genre. Yes. And I love how getting bit by a zombie actually made you a somnibulist and not like someone who was just drafted by the NBA and could kill you in seconds. Mm -hmm. I like that better. The whole 28 days later zombie of the minute I'm going to get bit, I can run 35 miles an hour. That scares the shit out of me because I'm lazy. I need some time, <laughs> you know? <sighs> Although I feel like that's how, that's why a lack of coffee makes me homicidal. <laughs> Because it's like, I'm not going to really have the energy to murder anybody, but also I'm going to be like either A, a movie zombie or B, Mike Myers in that no matter how fast you run and how slow I run, I'll still catch up to you to kill you. <laughs> Give me coffee, though, and I'm a little happier. <gasps> oh, goodness. What's next on your list? Wait a minute, did you just give me one? Yeah, I gave you Shaun of the Dead. So now you're passing it back to me. What an asshole. <laughs> I love how they beat the shit out of the one zombie to Don't Stop Me Now. <laughs> They're just beating them in time to the music. Boom, boom, boom. What is camp? I know I have. Did I go through everything? And then there was New Year's Evil from the 80s, if we want to bring it back to the 80s. 
There's like this horror movie host and she's getting stalked by these calls and then everyone keeps getting killed around her. This was just a last minute thought of mine because I think toward the end of the 80s, they were starting to make all of those Valentines and April Fool's and other holiday themed horror movies. Yeah. So they had New Year's Evil, which is really dumb and campy. Oh, no. But also hilarious and fun. But it's like this really bad interpretation of punk rock as well. (gasps) Oh, wow. Like they're trying to mainstream it. Yeah. And it just turns out terrible. Because punk would totally sell out and do like a New Year's Rock and Eve type TV show. I do have one. Again, it's a one where I don't remember the title. Sorry. That's okay. I'm going to throw it out there. It's an 80s one. You're probably going to know what I'm talking about. So a bunch of people and they're adults because they were like in their 20s and 30s. Uh They go and spend the evening at a mansion. Someone's throwing a dinner party. One woman gets accosted by a ghost in the middle of the night. But she's like, wait a minute, because it was just a gust of wind. There's no one else in the room with her. Mm -hmm. And you realize that it is an invisible ghost who is putting the moves on her. But in putting the moves on her, they end up falling in love. What? Yes. So you have this woman in this room in love with a ghost. And then you have all these other people going through um, their own thing in their own rooms. Weird stuff. It turns out that the group are actually uh, Satanists. So when they leave their rooms and come down to the living room, everyone's surrounding the pentacle on the floor Mm -hmm. and they're doing their ritual and everyone's like, oh my God, this is what we're here for? No. So then um, something happens, someone snaps their fingers and everyone leaves with the demons. Mm -hmm. They disappear. Some people made it like the girl who was with the ghost, she was saved, Mm -hmm. but everyone else left. That was a camp movie that I actually sat all the way through and I have absolutely no idea what it's called. But I had to throw that out there just so I would remember it. Okay. Listeners out there, help some bitches out. Yeah. Dinner party at a mansion, which turns into a demonic ritual in the basement. And then- Was this oh, recent or no? No, this was like mid to late 80s. Okay. I watched a lot of trash, but that was because Channel 13, and this is back when television, there was only a handful of channels before yeah. cable blew up. They used to have these monster movie nights. Mm-hmm. And, and if you stayed up past nine o'clock, the night movie that came on after nine was really some- epic shit (laughs) that's where i would catch all of these movies Hmm. i would sneak and go watch it yeah because on friday nights it was always like monster horror films so i probably just um saw a lot of inappropriate things didn't we all at that age exactly so i have nothing left on my list did we exhaust our list i think we exhausted our list well a couple of them i remembered that i didn't have a lot to say about them because I'm actually the lazy fuck. Actually, I've been the busy fuck because, like I said, midterms. <laughs> Name them, though, just in case people need something to watch this season. That's everything on the list I named. You named... Oh, we went through everything. We went through everything. Fire, fire. I was going to... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven movies. And no, then didn't. eight, nine. Because <gasps> I talked about The Bad Seed and New Year's Evil, which are not on my list. Wow. Yeah. A couple of them were brief asides. Very cool. So we covered horror camp, dude. We certainly did. This is by no means an exhaustive list. Not at all. If you have any kind of silly, campy, cheesy, funny sort of horror movies that you want to contribute to the canon, not to the canon, but to the discussion, take it to Procrastination Planet on Facebook, or you can... Make some memes, post something fun on your Instagram and tag us in it. We're Procrastination Planet Podcast on the Iggy. 
or, you know, add us on Twitter if you want. So we can contribute to the discussion that way. Yes. So happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. I'm Carly Knight. And I'm Sabrina Monet. Oh, wait. She's still Carly Knight, though. So again, if you like us, don't forget to like and subscribe and download. Give us a five-star rating and a quick review if you're on Apple Podcast or Stitcher. That way it pushes up. I can't fucking speak today. Drunk. I don't even fucking drink. I've just been sniffing glue. <laughs> that way it pushes us up the charts. And that way we get more listeners and... You know, because we want people to listen to us and love us, and we're always on a search for validation. My jokes are not a cry for help. Nope, not at all. Anyway, I'm Carly Knight. And I'm Sabrina Monet. And this has been Procrastination Planet. Trick or treat. Thank you. Bye. Don't put us in a 5150 hold. (laughs) Procrastination Planet has been written and produced by me, Carly Knight, and my partner in crime, Sabrina Monet. Our logo was designed by C. Trojan of C. Trojan Art. For more of his work, go to ctrojanart.com. Our theme music is Laser Unicorns by Christian Penn, courtesy of Gemendo Licensing. Visit us at procrastinationplanet.com. Follow us on Twitter at ProcrastPlanet. Follow us on Instagram at ProcrastinationPlanetPodcast. If you like us, tell your friends and spread the word. If you hate us, lie and tell your friends how much you like us anyway. We could use the publicity.